hello everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Christian Concepts. Uh, I'm your co-host, Jesse, um, but today um, I'm just going to be your host. Uh, my main co-host, uh, Lucas, wasn't able to join the podcast today. He's starting a new job, or started a new job recently, and him figuring out the schedule, his new schedule, and all the things that are happening in his life right now, he just wasn't able to uh, join the podcast today, so it's just going to be me by myself today, <laughs> so hopefully uh, it won't be too rocky, we'll get through this, but um, yeah, last week uh, we talked about Abraham, um, and if you didn't really pick up on the concept that we, we were trying to hint at, it was the faith of Abraham, and how, you know, he just continued to have faith in God in all situations. And so that was last week. I hope you all enjoyed that one. But uh, this week we're going to be talking about David and Solomon. So I made a bunch of notes. This is actually uh, the most notes I've written out of any episode. So I'm not sure how long this ep- uh, episode is going to be. Um, <laughs> Lucas is not here to... Uh, you know, talk with me here, but, uh, I'm wondering if that's going to be just as long as a normal episode, so we'll, we'll find out. But anyways, let's dive into this here. Um, so we're going to start off here with David. Um, so yeah, David, we're going to start off with some scripture here in first Samuel chapter 13, um, and 13 verse 13 and 14. And Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So, uh, obviously here, Samuel is talking to Saul, and uh, this is after Saul had chosen to sacrifice rather than to obey. Uh, that's a very famous uh, scripture. I'm sure you all remember that story um, when uh, Saul was commanded to just wipe out all the enemy. Um, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head <laughs> the part of me uh, who the enemy was, but he didn't do that. And uh, he just sacrificed some of the animals and stuff there. And Samuel told him, you know, to obey is better than sacrifice. Um, So that was Saul's big mistake. And after that, it kind of goes downhill from there. And Samuel tells Saul here that the kingdom is going to be given to a man after God's own heart. And as we all come to know, this is going to be David. So David was a man after God's own heart. He was a shepherd, a musician, excuse me, a warrior, and a king. Um, so we're going to look at uh, the first kind of uh, characteristic about David, a uh, shepherd. So shepherding is actually a pretty boring task, um, but it requires a lot of patience at the same time. Um, so sheep are constantly wandering and have to be pulled back by um, shepherd staff. So um, at the end of the shepherd staff, there's a nook, um, and that nook is used, you know, to kind of grab the sheep by the neck or whatever and, you know, pull them back in, or the end of that step can be used to beat away 
wolves or whoever, you know, whatever predator was trying to attack um, the sheep. So, you know, that staff kind of has, um, you know, um, it's a multi-use tool there. Um, and not only do the sheep constantly wander, but their wool, their wool must um, be sheared so they don't get uh, dirty wool that can be infected by parasites. So if their wool gets too heavy, um, the sheep can topple over and won't actually be able to get back up. They can actually die there and are very vulnerable to, you know, wolves or lions or whoever, you know, is nearby. They can't get back up because that wool is too heavy and the wool on their back has grown too wide. They can't, like, roll over and get their their feet back on the ground. So, uh, shearing sheep is very important. It also keeps them cool in the summer, warmer in the winter, so usually the sheep are sheared in the springtime. Uh, it's kind of, you know, cool them off in the summer, and, you know, by the winter, it's kind of grown back in fully, so it keeps them warm in the winter. Um, and also, shearing creates a clean environment for newborn lambs. So, sheep, uh, you know, take a lot of time to be properly taken care of. Uh, you know, a lot of patience there, and David grew up doing that. You know, he was the youngest out of eight sons, uh, the sons of Jesse. Um, and that's what he did. So he was accustomed to that. So he had kind of that shepherd's heart. Um, and we see later down in the scripture, we'll read this later down, but he protected his sheep from a lion and a bear. So David was a good shepherd because the Lord specifically chose him to replace Saul. He wasn't a lousy shepherd. Um, he was a good shepherd. So, um... David also seems to have had a better understanding of who God was out of his whole family and possibly out of the whole nation. So, um, what does this mean? Uh, we can look at 1 Samuel 17 for this. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, verses 8 through 11. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out? To set your battle in array, am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. So this here is Goliath talking. He's kind of, he's kind of taunting the army of Israel. Um, and he continues on in verse 9. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. Uh, and Goliath goes on to say, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And you know, Saul and Israel, when they hear the word of the Philistine, they're, uh, they're dismayed and greatly afraid. So, uh, and this is including uh, David's brothers. I think it says three uh, oldest brothers that had followed Saul here. And so all Israel here is afraid of Goliath. Yeah, but David isn't. <laughs> and we see 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. Uh, Jesse had sent um, David, I think, to send like get some cheese and some other food and provisions to uh, his oldest three brothers. Um, and so David's at the camp, and he hears all this going on. And David speaks to the man, or to the men that stood by him, saying, "What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel?" For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So David, (laughs) 
he's not the least intimidated of Goliath here. Um, he makes that connection uh, between when he was shepherding his father's flock and beat away that lion and the bear um, to when Goliath came against Israel. He knew that Goliath was just another lion, another bear coming against God's people, God's flock. And God, obviously being the good shepherd, would most definitely protect his sheep. And David was willing to be a tool. He was willing to be used by God to show Israel that they had nothing to fear as long as they were a part of God's army. Uh, so David knew God was the shepherd. And he's a good shepherd, obviously. He's going to protect his people. And David knows this and he's like, hey, this is an opportunity for me to be used by God. I know this guy saying all the stuff against the people of God. This is all stuff that's just untrue. And how dare he? How dare he defy the armies of the living God? So this willing this willingness to do what no one else wanted to do was yet another display of what a man after God's own heart looked like. So nobody here is volunteering to take on Goliath. Nobody. Um, and David's like... <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, as we all know, David goes and defeats Goliath, and you know everyone's like, "Wow, amazing!" You know, all those chase the field scenes after that, the huge great slaughter, and all that. So, that's all great and dandy. Um, so, um, sometime between when David uh, defeats Goliath, uh, and Saul becomes jealous of David uh, later down the road. Uh, after the woman's seeing of David's victory, the Lord departs from Saul and is with David. Um, and this doesn't seem to be a long gap in between David killing Goliath and um, the Lord departing from Saul. Because uh, it's like that, I think it's that right, the next chapter for Samuel 18. Um, and Saul comes to his realization himself in 1 Samuel 18, verse 12. I'm not going to read it, but you can see, look at that there. And he realizes the Lord's departed from him and is with David now. And he starts fearing David as a result. And after that, Saul's outlook today on David is changed. Uh, before, David, you know, had been a musician in Saul's court. He had been playing uh, the harp for him whenever Saul would get, you know, these tempers or, you know, this evil spirit, I think is what the scripture says it is. Um, you know, David would just play that harp and it would just seem to calm and soothe Saul and you know, make him uh, better again. But after David uh, kills Goliath and the woman seeing, you know, um, I think, what is it? Uh, Saul's killed his thousands and David his ten thousands, I believe is what it says. Um, you know, Saul's jealous and the Lord departs from Saul and is now with David. And after this, he just starts making attempts to make David's life miserable and even just kill him outright so you know he tries to I think he tries to spear him multiple times and David just has to run for his life out of the court um and this only makes things worse because David has this tight knit connection with his with Saul's son Jonathan and when this is all happening and Saul's just coming against David that strains his relationship with Jonathan and this is just, just makes everything worse for Saul. So, David's outlook, though, on this whole situation is spectacular. Even though Saul has tried to kill him multiple times, knowing that the Lord is with him, thereby making himself an enemy of the Lord, 
When opportunity rises for David to kill Saul, he refuses to do so twice. So there's uh, two different times um, where he could have killed Saul, and he doesn't do it. Uh, though the Lord is no longer with Saul, David realizes that David is about sorry. David realizes that Saul is still the Lord's anointed, and so he doesn't dare raise his hand against Saul. Um, and we can see this in First Samuel twenty-four. Um, Saul took three thousand men out of Israel and went to find David, and. Saul goes in to cover his feet in a cave where David and his men are on the sides of the cave there. And all the men, all David's men are telling him, hey, you know, the Lord's delivered you Saul, you know, you can go and just take him out. <laughs> and David actually goes and uh, takes a part of Saul's robe, kind of cuts it off. Um, and Saul's not aware of this. And it says, uh, 24, 1 Samuel 24, 5, it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt and he said unto his men and this is some great um, understanding from David the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master the Lord's anointed to stretch forth my hand against him seeing he is the anointed of the Lord so yet again we see why David is a man after God's own heart um, you know, everyone I think anyone in that situation would have been like, you know, this is this is prime opportunity. The Lord says in my prayer, you know, this guy Saul has been like coming against me with everything he has. You know, he's trying to make my life miserable. You know, um, he removed David, I think, from the very beginning from his core and made him like a captain over some men and sent him away to the Philistines, hoping he was going to die there. And then when that didn't work, you know, he, you know, David came back and. Saul, you know, tried to kill him personally again, time and time again. You know, in that situation, I think anyone would have been like, all right, I think, you know, I'm supposed to be the king. This guy is not, um, you know, the Lord's not with this guy anymore. The Lord's with me. So, you know, it makes sense to say, you know, maybe take, take this guy out. But David's like, no, even though the Lord's not with him anymore, He's still the Lord's anointed. He's still king of Israel, and I can't do this. Um, so, even when David hears of the death of Saul, uh, way way down in the scriptures, his attitude hasn't changed in the slightest. Uh, so, in Second Samuel now, um, Saul and Jonathan both have died, and David, when he first hears of the death of Saul. He takes hold of his clothes and rinses them, and all the men that are with him, do they do so as well. And they mourned, and they wept, and fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan his son. Um, and so the, the, the young man that had come and told him the news was an Amalekite. And so in Second Samuel 1 verse 13, David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger in Amalekite. And David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? So this Amalekite had actually killed uh, Saul personally. And David's like, How were you not afraid to destroy the Lord's anointed? It's like something that David cannot comprehend. And David calls one of the young men near him and says, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. 
And David says this, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. So David has this respect as a warrior, as someone who follows the king. It's not a good king. It's not a king that the Lord's with. But he still understands the Lord has full authority. The Lord has is in full control. And we can look at this present day. You know, there's maybe people in political power that we don't agree with right now. That we're like, man, why should we listen to anything that they have to say? Why would we obey them? Why would, you know, and some, if it obviously goes against God's word, then we can't, you know, we have to obey God above man. But if we're still able to obey, you know, man and God at the same time, obviously we still have to do that. And David was trying to do that, I think, here the best that he could. You know, Saul was not a godly man towards the end of his life, but David still had that respect and that reverence for that authority in his life. Um, So that just shows, I think that's another aspect to what a man after God's own heart looks like. So as you can tell, I'm trying to um, portray David here as a man after God's own heart. I mean, I say try to, but that's how scripture portrays him as. And so I'm just trying to give you this description of David. And I have a couple more uh, descriptions here to go through. Um, David also loved to worship. Um, 2 Samuel 6, 12, uh, or Yes, Second Samuel six twelve, um, it kind of uh, says that uh, the ark ha- of the Lord had been in the house of Obed-Edom. All his house had been blessed as a result of it. So David, he wants part of this blessing, right? So he goes and he uh, brings up the ark of God from Obed-Edom's house into the city of David with gladness. Um, and he makes some sacrifices with oxen and fat fatlings in verse 13 and in verse 14 it says and david danced before the lord with all his might and david was girded with a linen ephod Uh, so david and all the house of israel brought up the ark of the lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet and as the ark of the lord came into the city of david michael saul's daughter looked through a window and saw king david leaping and dancing before the lord and she despised him in her heart Um, And later down in the scripture, uh, when Michael confronts David, she's like, hey, you were dancing, you know, uncovered in front of the mates and all that. And she's all mad, Um, which is interesting because it doesn't really say David wasn't covered. It says David was girded with a linen ephod, which is something that the priest wore. Uh, You know, the Levites wore a linen uh, ephod. Um, and that usually went over like um, a robe or, or a white robe, I think is what it was that the priest wore and that e- the ephod would go over that. And so it doesn't seem that David was really all that uncovered. Now he was dancing. And so that might have meant that he kind of hiked up uh, maybe the skirt of the robe that he was wearing or whatever so that, you know, he could dance with his legs. So maybe his legs were uncovered. The scripture doesn't really specify, but Michael uh, despised him in her heart. Um, And so I kind of wonder, would people have done this on their own without David kind of leading them into that worship? Um, You know, David brought it with gladness, and 
did all these sacrifices, and he danced before the Lord with all his might. Um, yeah, so it seems like David was a pretty strong leader. Like, he was willing to do what other people weren't willing to do. As as you can see with Goliath, you know, no one was able wanting to take him on. Um, and the situation with Saul, trying to take his life multiple times. Um, and he had the opportunity to take Saul's life twice. He didn't do it either time. And with his worshiping, it seems like he was pretty... <laughs> It's pretty, uh, how do I say this, you know, out there with his worship, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't afraid to make a scene, um, but David wasn't without his mistakes, and obviously the most well-known is how he committed adultery with Bathsheba, um, so we all know what happened there, um, you know, looking, he's like on the top of his roof, sees Bathsheba, she was bathing or whatever, um, and he has her husband put into the heat of the battle, uh, where it's very likely, very likely that's, you know, whoever's there is gonna die, and he does, and he takes Bathsheba in, and now you gotta remember that David was king, right, and there was no law written by man that said he couldn't do that you know all the kings and all the other nations were doing so um you know they had multiple wives so this wasn't something that was really like not common it was actually very common on all the other nations around uh but as we all know god had a law against it in the ten commandments you know thou shalt not commit adultery uh moses wrote that down so, while man hadn't written that down in law, God had. And obviously, God, we must uh, follow God's laws, you know, to the T. So, um, the uh, prophet Nathan comes, as we all know, confronts David, tells a story about, you know, this man with many sheep, and I think it's the rich man, and then there's this poor man that has his one sheep. And it's basically this one sheep's a part of the family. When this guest comes to this rich man's house, that man goes and takes the one sheep from the poor man's and slays it and offers it to the guest. And, you know, David's all angry about this. And he's like, who's this man? And Nathan's like, that's you. And, you know, David immediately repents. And I, he writes um, a psalm, I think, I can't remember off the top of my head again which psalm this is, but... He goes into prayer and fasting because um, Nathan said that, that she was going to lose the child that she was pregnant with, and she does. Um, so, the thing that we see, though, here, though, is that David actually repents. So, while other kings uh, we see in scripture, when a prophet came and told them what they were doing wrong, they were like, off with your head. <laughs> Why would I listen to you? Or, you know, the cinnamon to, you know, a uh, pit of dung like Jeremiah, you know. All these prophets, you know, they're probably pretty scared to even say anything wrong, you know, that a king was doing wrong. Um, but Nathan does it, and David accepts it. And he turns from, you know, where he went astray, and he corrects his path. So, what can we learn from the life of David? Uh, from a young age, he knew who God was, 
took on the heart of God. From his experience as a shepherd, to being a warrior for Israel and Saul, to being a musician, and finally king of Israel, David was a strong leader. He wasn't afraid to do what wasn't popular. He wasn't afraid of Goliath. He spared Saul's life twice and mourned when he died. He danced before the Lord, even when Michael was embarrassed. Um, and to top it off, you know, like I said, just said, while many kings would have punished Nathan for what he said, David repents and turns to the Lord once again. Um, and obviously we know uh, David is a position he wrote like most of the Psalms there in the book of Psalms. So, <clears throat> yeah, David had his faults for sure, but he loved the Lord. And whenever it seemed like he went astray, you know, he started going off the path that the Lord had set before him. Either if it's a prophet or something happens, say, hey, David, you're going off, you know, the path that the Lord has sent for you. He corrects his path immediately. And, yeah, David loved the Lord. So he had that understanding, you know, from a young boy. I like I like that a lot. That You know, as a shepherd, he understood things about the Lord that, you know, his older brothers didn't. Maybe his father Jesse didn't. Um, and it seems like maybe even Saul didn't even understand and like the nation of Israel, but David knew this. And um, he seems to, you know, continually make the right choices. Um, you know, and when he does make the wrong choices, he he pays for them. Um, and he corrects them. He did lose the child with Bathsheba, that first child. Um, but then they, um, you know, have that second child, and that's Solomon. And that's the next person we're going to talk about next. Uh, but before that, we're going to take a quick break. Um, and you all get to hear yet another ad from my co-host, Lucas. <laughs> so enjoy. that ad I still have not even listened to it so I have no idea what it's about <laughs> but uh <laughs> all right so yeah we uh last uh left off with um David's life that um and I try to make you know some points of why he was a man after God's own heart uh, but now we're going on to Solomon so and it's kind of going to be a a comparison between David and Solomon that I want to do here. So, yeah, um, let's get into it. So, Solomon. Uh, we aren't really told anything about Solomon before he was made king after David. Um, we know that David had promised Bathsheba that Solomon would rule after him, um, and that's about it. <clears throat> so, the first mention about Solomon's relationship with the Lord is mentioned in first Kings three, um, in verse three, it says that he loved the Lord, but he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. So, um, whenever you see like a, uh, the word, but there in scripture, it's kind of that revolving door word. So, uh, whatever's before it, if it's positive, what's going to come after that, but it's going to be, uh, negative and vice versa. If it's, you know, negative, then the, but after that, but's going to be a positive thing. Um, so in this case, you know, it says that he loves the Lord, but he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. So that's not a good thing, obviously. Um, 
and the first mention of Solomon and God communicating um, is also found in that same chapter in 1 Kings chapter 3. Um, so God asks Solomon what he would like from him, and Solomon asks for wisdom. And what a thing to ask for wisdom, you know? If God, you know, asked me anything I'd want, I don't think I would say wisdom. <laughs> um, you know, long life, you know, riches, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think I would have chosen any of those rather than wisdom, but Solomon chooses wisdom, and so that, um, that to me tells that Solomon already seems to have some wisdom about him to ask for such a thing and also seems to understand a bit of what would please God. Um, I think he knew that might be a you know pleasing answer to God, and obviously uh, God was pleased with that answer, and on top of that, yeah, God gives him wisdom, but also blesses him with riches, honor, and a condition that if Solomon would walk after God as David did, then his days would be lengthened. Uh, man, so what a promise. Um, and yeah, so God grants Solomon wisdom, and right away, the next chapter, we see Solomon's wisdom is displayed. Uh, two harlots, you know, the two women come to him, and there's this one child that they're disputing over. They're both claiming that it's theirs. And so Solomon instructs to divide that child in half, um, and immediately the real mother is exposed. She cares for that child. Um, she doesn't care if it goes to the other lady now. She just wants that child to stay alive. And obviously Solomon knows this, picks up on it, and he says, that's the real mother. And, and you know, the nation of Israel hears about this and fears the wisdom of Solomon. They know that the Lord has given Solomon wisdom. Um, and the next we are shown Solomon's wealth and wisdom. Um, yet another thing that God gave Solomon on top of wisdom. Uh, the next chapter, you know, just goes this whole list of, you know, things that Solomon has, you know, the nation of Israel has, and, you know, the scripture points out, he spoke 3,000 proverbs, <laughs> and had 1,005 songs, that's a lot, that's a lot, so, um, uh, we all know David, you know, wrote psalms, but Solomon actually wrote psalms, uh, some psalms, uh, obviously proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, so, he did a lot of writing, <laughs> um, so yeah, the nation of Israel was finally at peace, um, and this is a vast difference from when David was king. David was always going to war, um, and that's um, why he couldn't build uh, the temple at the end of his life. He wanted to build the house for the Lord, and you know, while that was uh, pleasing to the Lord, you know, God said, "You can't do that." You know, your man. Exact phrasing, but something like bloody hands or something like that. Uh, I apologize if I butchered that, but <laughs> uh, yeah, David has built a lot of blood, gone to war a lot, and so um, the Lord told David, Your son will. And so uh, David had given Solomon instructions about the temple, and we will be talking about that here very soon. Um, yeah, so. Let's actually go right into that, I think would be a good time. So Solomon does build the Lord's house, the temple, that David was unable to build. Um, and so while he seems to have built it according to, you know, the instructions and everything, the plans that David had, there is an undertone of disapproval, actually, in the scripture. If you're not, if you didn't pick up on it, um, read the scripture here. And first, the end of First Kings chapter 6, uh, verse 37 
uh, it says in the fourth year was the foundation of the house of the Lord laid in the month Ziph, so the fourth year of the reign of Solomon. And then the eleventh year, um, and the month Bull, which is the eighth month, was the house finished throughout all the parts thereof, and according to all the fashion of it, so was Solomon seven years in building. So it took seven years to build uh, the, the temple. But then the next verse, First uh, Kings seven one, beginning of First Kings seven, it says, "But," um, <laughs> and so this is another thing. You know, we already read that first thing about Solomon. He loved the Lord, but he sacrificed um, and burnt incense in high places. And here's another instance where there's a but. Um, so, what the preceding statement seems to be a positive thing. Um, built the house of the Lord, but Solomon was building his own house 13 years, and he finished all his house, um, yeah, so, <laughs> Solomon took basically double the time to build his own house, and he also built a house for, uh, Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had, uh, married, um, in 1 Kings 7 verse 8, so, he spent way more time on his own house than the Lord's house, and that's something that can be totally uh, be compared with, with today's uh, Christians, you know. That's uh, something we can all struggle with, is, you know, prioritizing our, you know, our uh, responsibilities. So, we can get so wrapped up, you know, in our own things, you know, work, or school, or, you know, our home, if we have our our own home, um, you know, there's multiple things that we can get caught up with, you know, the responsibilities of life, and, you know, that's all important things that we must take care of, but at the same time, we have to maintain our relationship with God, and um, my dad, who's also my pastor, he's, he's always had this thing um, he's told me, and that is, um, he doesn't really like to spend a whole lot of time this uh, he doesn't want to spend more time on you know his own house you know uh, maintaining everything and you know making landscape and all that making look at real nice um, at the cost of neglecting the Lord's house you know our church and so he's more prone to put a lot more time and effort into fixing repairs you know remodeling whatever it is into the our church than our own that that's the Lord's house that takes priority first of our, our own home and yes it is important to take care of our own home we don't want to look like slobs you know not taking care of our you know the things that the Lord has given us but it's that priority showing you know who comes first the Lord and so the Lord's home is going to come before my own home you know um and so I think that's something that we can see here in scripture it seems like Solomon kind of prioritized building his own home lords he spent a lot more time a lot more effort on his own house um i think it goes to description you know there's like a lot of costly stones and a lot of stuff that went into his own home um so was psalm's priority on god's house or on his own home you know uh next we see the ark is brought into the temple and it's here that solomon makes a dedication a whole prayer big old speech so like a whole chapter long i think it's first kings eight um, and it's here that he makes two really profound questions that I love. I mean, it's, this is actually my favorite verse. So if you didn't know, 
this is gonna <laughs> this is my favorite verse first kings 8 verse 27 um, this is Solomon asking these questions. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have built it. Wow. So, <laughs> I mean, what kind of understanding, what kind of wisdom did Solomon have to understand one of the attributes of God, and that is his omnipresence? He realizes the heaven, the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. God's so big, you know, that he, he cannot be contained. How much less this house that I have built it? That's something that's boggling Solomon's mind. He's like, okay, great, I've built this house for you, but how are you going to dwell here? How is this going to encompass your presence? You know, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, <laughs> and obviously we see that, you know, God manifests himself in, as Jesus in the New Testament as a human body in the human body um so yeah it's easily encompassed but god has no limits you know he can be fully dwelling in the temple um and at the same time be omnipresent you know he has no limit to what he can do he has no limit on his power um but this was something that which boggles solomon's mind he's just trying to figure this out um and just from that verse alone, you know, he, he has, you know, he says a whole lot more before that and after that, you know, it's basically that whole chapter. He's making this huge speech and, you know, this dedication of the temple. Um, but he seems to have this understanding just kind of like David, his father did, you know, of who God was. You know, he had this relationship. He talked to God. Um, and right after this, God again appears to Solomon um, in the next chapter. Verse, uh, chapter 9 of 1 Kings and says Solomon's prayers and dedication has all been answered and the house that he's built for God has been accepted and God will dwell there um, and then God makes another promise um, and this if you can't tell like with this previous episode that me and Pablo did with Abraham God made a ton of promises to Abraham God made a ton of promises to David God's making a ton of promises here to Solomon and that just shows the goodness of God he's he, he can't help but give. He's always trying to give us gifts, you know. He takes care of his own. He doesn't give you just what you need. He gives you more than what you need, you know. And sometimes we don't realize that at the time. Sometimes it might just seem like just barely what we need to get by. But God's more than more, more than we could ever possibly know. He's provided and more on top of that. Um... And right here, you know, he has promised, gives another promise to Solomon that if him and his children would walk in God's ways and keep his commandments, that the throne that David had established would uh, be established forever. Um, but if not, if Solomon or his children walked away from God, Israel would be cast out and would become a proverb and a byword of warning to other people. Um... So, yeah, that's a promise that God gives to Solomon. And obviously, as we see later in scripture, Solomon's not going to keep that, unfortunately. So the next chapter um, talks about the Queen of Sheba come, comes to um, Jerusalem and kind of tests Solomon with all his questions. And she's just blown away by everything, by, you know, there's a scripture, I think it lists. Let me try to see if I can find it right here real quick. Uh... Yeah, 1 Kings 10.4 kind of gives this whole list. 
when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom, and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Uh, so what does that mean? Um, I think that's like kind of this spirit, maybe a skepticism, maybe of disbelief. Yeah, that there's no way this guy's that wise. There's no way you know his kingdom's this prosperous and all that. <laughs> there's no more spirit in her, and she said to the king, "It was a true report that I heard in my own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believed not the words until I came, and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard." So she's just obviously blown away by everything she's seen, you know, and heard. Psalm's wisdom blown, uh, blew her away. Uh, the meat of his table, sitting with the servants, that whole list just blows her away. And there's no more spin in her. She's just like, wow, the half wasn't even told me. And so, yet another example of God delivering on his promise um, for Solomon to have wisdom. Solomon has great wisdom. He's the wisest man that's ever lived. Uh, but... This doesn't last forever, unfortunately. Um, I think it's the next chapter, in chapter 11. Solomon's turned away from the Lord. And so, let's read, let's read this here. Um, 1 Kings 11, verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh... Um, we knew, you know, he was with the daughter of Pharaoh from the beginning. But he has also, on top of that, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, uh, Zidonians, and Hittites of the nations concerning which the Lord had said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon claimed unto these in love. So... <laughs> Yeah, Solomon messed up there. Um, and there's the difference between Solomon and David right here. If this had been David, some prophet or the Lord would have appeared to, you know, David and been like, what are you doing? You're messing up. And David, I believe most hard, uh, you know, I believe this totally that David would have turned away uh, back to the Lord and he would have repented. But here, Solomon doesn't. And his wives turn away his heart from the Lord. He had 700 wives, princesses, uh, and 300 concubines. So that's a total of a thousand ladies. That's a lot of ladies. I do not recommend that at all. <laughs> One wife. <laughs> that's all we need. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and 1 Kings 11.4, it came to pass... Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father for Solomon went after Ashtaroth the goddess of the Zidonians and after Milcom the abomination of the Ammonites Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord went not fully after the Lord as David did um, and then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh the abomination of Moab um, and the hill that is before Jerusalem and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And if you remember from our previous episode, 
Moab and Ammon. Those are the sons of the two daughters that went into Lot um, to preserve the seed of Lot. Uh, when Lot had to run away from Sodom and Gomorrah when it was being destroyed, you know, and uh, both those daughters went into Lot, and those were the children of Moab and Ammon. And here you see Solomon being pulled astray by the abomination of Moab and the abomination of the children of Ammon. What a sad thing. Um, and likewise Solomon did for all of his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrificed them to their gods so what is that situation um, if Solomon had obeyed God's commandment and not married strange wives he might have stayed on course like David his father did and further established his throne as God had promised with all that wisdom and the relationship that Solomon had with God he still allowed his wives to pull him away from a wonderful promise, uh, two wonderful promises that God had given him, actually, the two times that God had appeared to him in Gibeon, and after Solomon had made that dedication um, of the temple of the Lord. Um, and so the Lord, again, speaks to Solomon, but this time it's not in a positive tone. Uh, it's very... Very negative. Um, he states that he will bring the kingdom from Solomon and divide it, but God still promises that he will give one tribe to Solomon's son, which is Rehoboam, for David's sake. So it's not even for Solomon's sake, he's still honoring the man after his own heart, David. Um, so, what a profound impact uh, you know um, someone can make if they just follow God with all their heart and is a man or woman after God's own heart. Even here, um, you know, God gives David's grandson, Rehoboam, a tribe just for for David's sake. And that's that's it. Just because David followed him with all his heart. Uh, so, Israel, a nation that had been at peace at, uh, for years um, under the reign of Solomon, is now thrown into turmoil after Solomon's done this. Um, as a result of Solomon's disobedience. Um, so God raises these adversaries to come against Solomon and just one by one they come against Solomon and um, it's Solomon's never the same it's and that's actually the last we hear of Solomon um, and in the scripture you know kind of ends off there um, yeah what a sad way to leave on a note for Solomon you know he started off great he started off you know, having this understanding of God and asking for wisdom um, and dedicating that temple, you know, he finally built the temple and all that, but there are some things that we can see from the very beginning that he uh, offered and burnt uh, where was that at? Let me go scroll back to that. Yeah, all the way back in 1 Kings 3 when we first when first we actually started talking about the psalmist. Yes, he loved the Lord, but he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places what was the thing that tripped him up in the end? He sacrificed and burnt incense in high places, just with strange wives. So that was something that, I don't know if it, it never left his heart. He kind of left it rooted in his heart the whole time. He never got rid of it. You know, did he ever go and, you know, break those high places down like some of these other kings that um, in the future, kings of Judah would go and, you know, break and burn these high places to the ground? Did Solomon ever do that? scripture doesn't say I, I don't believe it does um, but I kind of believe that he left them there and that was something that he should have destroyed completely out of his life and 
Baltic with some wives uh, to turn his heart away from the Lord. So what a sad, sad way to end on the note for Solomon. The last we hear of David, um, in contrast, was him instructing Solomon on how to rule and be a godly leader. You know, David had been a leader, that godly leader, he, you know. Um, yes, of course, you know, he messed up too, but he always made it right with the Lord. Always came back to God. Did Solomon do that? No. And so uh, that's kind of my concept is, what, you know, uh, living for the Lord, you know, with all your heart. Um, what does a man of God, you know, or a woman of God uh, look like? Um, and, you know, the example I used here obviously was David. And Solomon was kind of that opposite, that contrast. They both started off great, but only one maintained his relationship with God and was truly a man after God's own heart. Uh, so, yeah, I'll end on that note. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, it was kind of weird with only me. I'm not as entertaining as Lucas is. <laughs> uh, he, he gives some life to the episode. I do realize that. And hopefully he should be on again for this next episode. Um, we have yet to discuss the characters that we'll be talking about next for this Heroes of the Old Testament series that we're doing now. But yeah, um, and just as a reminder, if you have any prayer requests or suggestions maybe that you would like to hear um, from certain people in the Old Testament, maybe, you know, there's, um, we're thinking about maybe doing Elijah, there's, you know, some ideas we have, but if there's a specific person from the Old Testament, you know, a hero um, that you would want to hear talked about, um, by all means, you can message us, um, it is Christian underscore concepts underscore JDP, uh, that's our Instagram account, um, you can just DM us, um, with suggestions or prayer requests, um, and yeah, I think that'll do it for tonight, um, yeah, so God bless you all, um, I really hope you enjoyed this, um, I sure did, spent a lot of time, uh, preparing for this, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> uh, anyways, God bless. Have a great well, morning, uh, evening, afternoon, wherever you are at in the world. Um, have a good one.